Hi, this is Heidi McDonald of PW Comics World's More to Come podcast. And this week I am here with Mike Dawson, a cartoonist and a fellow podcaster, actually. So, um, uh, you know, he's he's all up to speed with his, his recording and his Skype and everything. Um, oh, I know how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, maybe you can give me some pointers while we're at it, Mike. But um, uh, Mike is the uh, author of... Uh, a few graphic novels, Freddie and Me, Troop 142, and most recently, Angie Bongiolotti. I assume that's how you pronounce the name. That's how I pronounce it, yeah. All right. I gave you a little grief about the title of your graphic novel. Maybe we can come back to that in a little bit, actually. Um, so, anyway, Mike has been around for a while. He's been part of the scene, obviously. He does his weekly, is it weekly podcast? Um, I did the Ink Panther show for about five years weekly, and I mm-hmm. stopped that recently, and now I'm just doing the TCJ Talkies podcast oh, again. Right. Right. So, uh, but, you know, obviously you are very connected with the cartooning community, um, you know, talking to your fellow cartoonists and and uh, quizzing them as I'm yep. doing you now. But but you got a lot of, well, headlines this week, at least in, you know, one segment of the comic book world when you wrote a uh, post on your Tumblr blog that was called uh, the... The, the plight of the middle mid-career cartoonist who has failed to build an audience, if, yes. that's, if I'm recalling correctly. Uh, and uh, what kind of response did you get to this little essay, Mike? I did not expect it to have quite the response that it got. Um, it got a lot of people talking about it online. And uh, naturally, strangely, uh, a lot of heated conversations going on. Uh-huh. Um, some of it at me, some of it about me, um, but then... Yeah, seem to get people excited. I have some theories about that. Mm-hmm. Really? Well, let, let's let's go back before we. I, I want to really delve into this, um, to the response to it and and the issues that you raised because they seem. I, I mean, I think it was time. I honestly think it was just that your timing was impeccable on this, and just that. Uh, um, you know, we're at every, what everybody agrees is a, kind of a golden age right now of comics. There's more comics coming out, more periodical comics, more digital comics, more graphic novels, more hybrids, more this, more of everything. Yeah. And it seems like there's more opportunities, but, you know, not always maybe reaching an audience or, or finding financial success. Although I understand that's not part of your situation. But, but you know, let me just paint the picture just a little bit for any of our listeners who don't know your work. And I'll ask the awesome, simple question. Uh, when did you know you wanted to be a cartoonist? Well, so I'm, yeah, I'm like most cartoonists where I've always been writing and drawing. Um, like I just liked telling stories, long stories, in fact, when I was a little kid. Um, I, um, so I was always doing it, but I sort of pinpoint the time at which I sort of became serious about being the kind of cartoonist I want to be at some point in around 1995. Um, I started making zines, which at the time was sort of offbeat, uh, like superhero type stuff, but like, you know, leaning towards this sort of more eccentric stuff as I was moving out of like my Marvel fandom. Uh, And then I was also doing a daily uh, humor strip for uh, the Rutgers Daily Paper, which I did for about three and a half years. Um, So that's really when I sort of started Mm -hmm. being serious. so this is college age, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. the age when a lot of a lot of people get into it. Um, why did you think that cartooning, you know, words and pictures, why did you think this was the form that you, you wanted to use for your work? Um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, for many years I've, I've been giving the answer to that type of question of, like, well, you know, you could do anything with, with cartoons and it's all that you're limited by is your imagination. All that stuff is true. But it's in recent in the recent year or so, I've kind of realized it's just the way that I think more clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm, 
I'm actually surprised that my essay went over as well as it did because essay writing isn't my strength. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had thought of making this a comic book essay because uh, I feel more comfortable putting ideas out there in cartoon form. Um, and that's really what it's about. It's that I feel comfortable um, presenting mm -hmm. ideas as comics. Well, um, you know, the first thing that you did that probably when you came to my attention was um, it was a while ago, but it was a comic called Gabagool, which yeah. you didn't even mention in your in your CV there. But uh, it was it was written by um, Chris Radke, correct? Yep. And uh, so you were just the illustrator on this. And what is was it self published or did you have a publisher? Or well, that I have to. I have to correct that we co-wrote that. Ah, okay. All right. Because <laughs> much strife came from the, the end of that <laughs> relationship. Um, but, uh, yeah, we were co-written, co and I drew, and that was all self-published. It started mm -hmm. off as uh, mini-comics <clears throat> um, around uh, 2001, and around 2003, or 2002, 2003, we started actually doing, like, Quebecor, like, send your, send your comics uh, out to Quebecor, get them properly printed, try to ship them through Diamond, like, and we did that for three issues. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember actually that we all went down to SPX. Like I was bumming a ride, and uh, you you volunteered, and we all went down to SPX a couple times, and that's when I really got to know you, Mike. And uh, you know, you talked about Gabagool and some of your other things. Now this is actually very interesting because, uh, to my knowledge, um, uh, you were doing kind of this in you know self published, uh, kind of autobiographical humor comic yeah. at the time. And then the next thing we knew, you had a book deal with uh, with it Houghton Bloom Mifflin, it was Bloomsbury, Bloomsbury, yeah. right, to do your own graphic novel about Freddie Mercury. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it seemed kind of like, bam, anything could happen, right? <laughs> so, <Yes>. how did, <laughs> uh, you know, so how did you get from? I mean, you know, to be to be perfectly honest, I mean, you were just one of the pack. You know, mm -hmm. you were just this guy. I mean, doing good comics, but nothing that had. You know that that guy. He needs to. You need to sign him up right away. No, you know. Um, I, I think. Uh, I think back on my career sometimes that I'm like some sort of like zealot, <laughs> zealot of like indie comics because like I just have done a lot of different types of ways of, of presenting my comics. That's and I think that's just a case of like you know. I think you put it in the article about this this incident this week um, that like you know big quote unquote big book publishers are rushing to find like you know hit graphic novels and they were signing people who maybe weren't ready to be signed. I mean, I was making that comic that I and it intended to self-publish it. Um, mm -hmm. And then at one point I was going to put it out through Ad House. Um, and I think that, I think in a way that whole uh, experience with the, with that graphic novel sort of, you know, moment, I think it sort of broke a lot of us cartoonists. <laughs> right, right, right. I think it gave us the wrong idea because, because I always knew that like I wasn't going to make comics for money like and then I was sort of broken for a few years because I'm like, wait, am I? Is this a thing I'm going to do? And then, you know, it you know it didn't work out for me. It didn't work out for some other cartoonists. And you know, I think we sort of had to recover. Right, right, right. Well, it certainly didn't work out for the publishers. I mean, you know, I think people went into this. I mean, I think there was probably a little more cynicism than we suspected at the time about it. Maybe that this was a flavor of the month. But um, you know, people were going into it with. Um, I was told. Yes. That uh. So I met this agent. Uh, I had a job. I was working at Scholastic at, at, around this time, and through there, I I had made friends with the one of the editors on the Scholastic's graphics line. Mm -hmm. And through her, I got introduced to a book agent, and he liked the sound of my book based on just the description of it because it's a memoir. And it's about Freddie Mercury. It's got a hook. And right. He took it to the Frankfurt uh, Book Fair, 
um, where he he met the the editor of a of a Jonathan Cape, which mm-hmm. is sort of the UK version of uh, Pantheon. And he told me he just like described the book to the guy, and the guy's like, "Oh, let me have that now. Uh, let me walk away with it, like without even sort of reading it. Like this is the thing, you know. That sounds perfect. And you know, I maybe I'm not the type right type of writer for that that mm-hmm. sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, now did you? Um, I mean, did you work with the editors at Bloomsbury? Did you? I mean, did they give you input? Did they help you mold the material or? So what I had done is I had written about 200 pages of a book. And this is a moment, I think, when a lot of people sort of like girth was sort of a thing. Right. People were into like, oh, blankets, look at that girth. Right, right, right. (laughs) Like we're into big, heavy books. I happen to have always liked long things. I mentioned that like just in passing earlier. Like I've always liked the idea of long stories you can lose yourself in. Um, So this trend, as I think it was, like fit my sensibilities. Um, so I was just going over the top on this this uh, graphic novel. The idea was that it was like the song Bohemian Rhapsody, just sort of like ridiculous in terms of the length and size of something that you know mm-hmm. is about just that I like a band. You know, right, it was right. always sort of that was the joke to me. And uh, so you, but did you? You had. I mean, it was an autobiographical narrative. So yes. Uh, oh, and you uh, asked also, like, did they work with me? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, so I had almost finished it. Um, so there was some. There was a little bit of like you know um, some edits, edits, but it wasn't really sort of molded by them. Like I essentially had the manuscript. And you know, I I think it is a very accessible book. I mean, you know, it's very much in the uh, memoir uh, genre. Which following Mouse, even though it's not really a memoir, and Persepolis. I mean, you know, Persepolis selling so well is really what made people in the book publishing world think that memoirs, comic book memoirs, were the way to go. Yeah. And uh, Freddie and Me is very clearly a memoir. And, you know, it's a very um, relatable, you know, shows you as a young boy, shows why you love Queen, you know, your relationship with your parents. And 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 with this band, I mean, it certainly was something that uh, as I was reading it, it was, you know, I was it was very easy to relate to, you know, like having this favorite band and and um, being so much into it. And uh I mean, you know, I could see why people were talking about, you know, it having this 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 theme that, that, you know, it was a powerful theme. Um, well, yeah, you know what, I mean, what was the reaction? What was the reaction among your peers when Freddie and me did come out? Um, I think I, I, I don't know, I guess, cause people are never sort of like totally honest. Right. I guess. Um, because I always sort of wondered like, you know, if there was a little bit of like, who is this guy? And I never got the sense from any particular person, but I would have felt that way. Right. 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 <laughs> you know, like, I had just been self-publishing a humor series, and then, you know, now I'm like, oh, well, I've got, you know, this deal with Random House in the UK, and I'm doing Bloomsbury USA, and I'm, you know, and, you know, these other foreign translations, and I don't know. Um, the book, everyone, you know, I guess I can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> I didn't know for a while that the book wasn't doing well. I had no sense of that until, right. like, later on. Right. Um, as far as I could tell, like, the reviews were mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it wasn't like I was, and the editors that I had worked with at Bloomsbury actually happened to leave the company yes. about a month after my book came out. Which um, is so common. Yeah, so I just never had that much communication with Bloomsbury post the publication. So mm-hmm. it, like, it kind of like very much fell off. So I just mm-hmm. sort of didn't know for a while. And I was like mm-hmm. trying to send them new work through the agent who I was still working with. Um, you know, it was like follow-up stuff. <coughs> Well, 
you know, I'm looking. You you say in your post here that it had sales of forty eight hundred gross and twenty seven forty eight net. I mean, I have to be honest; those aren't even you know on those are kind of typical first novel sales for you know publisher. So I mean, those numbers aren't even. I mean, they're you know they're not good. I'm not saying that, but they're they're pretty typical. I mean, they're most not books, embarrassing. I'm not, no, not no, 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 not really. No, not at all. Um, I, did, yeah, I did hear a cheerful uh, thing recently. The, the same agent who was talking to me about uh, the importance of social networking uh, said that I'm going to, I would have a very hard time ever getting another book published through a, a big deal publisher because of the, the relative unsuccess of the initial one. It right. Harder for me now. Right. Right. Well, that's true, too. You know, I mean, but I mean, I could tell you, you know, I mean, you know, the wayside was littered with people who were getting signed up to do these books. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of them, uh, some of them uh, came back from it. Some of them just cheerfully moved on. Um, Some of them have never been heard from again. And some of them, I know it really psychologically damaged them being in this kind of meat grinder world of the publisher. And, you know, luckily, uh, 13, 14, 12 years later, uh, well, luckily, I mean, the book publishing world itself has taken such a huge hit that it's hardly the gigantic monolith that it used to be, I feel. So, you know, it's almost like they've sunk to our level. <laughs> Good. Come down. Come down to where we are. Yes. Now we can all the comics. <laughs> muck around in the comics. But um, and you know, but people are starting to get. See, people are starting to get book deals again. It's just that you know they're not good deals. Like probably, I mean, you probably got an advance, right? I did. I got a big advance. I mean, for me, it was thirty thousand dollars from Bloomsbury and and twenty thousand from the UK. So right. So fifty thousand dollar advance. And, uh, well, I've done those self-published comics. I deserve fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Well, that's uh, right. Um, but you know, I mean, that's about a page rate, yeah. or two hundred pages writing, drawing. So, I mean, that's not even that. That's not exorbitant, really. That's um, pretty modest advance, to be honest. But plus, but, I had to pay Queen all that money for the lyrics. So, don't yeah. everyone hate me too much on that thing? Right. <laughs> so you did have to pay. Yeah, I did. I spent some money on that. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, you had to do it the right way, I guess. So, so anyway, so after the book came out, and uh, I think it was soon after that you started serializing Troop One Four Two, correct? Yeah. So the book came out in two thousand eight, and then there was a period where I guess the part where I had to come to terms with the reality, especially it was hard for me because Bloomsbury never told me they weren't going to publish me again because, mm-hmm. like I said, like nobody there knew me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sending out stuff. I was working on a, a, a what I thought was like a good kid's comic. It was called Jack and Max and these two superheroed oh, right. uh, brothers, um, which I think is a fine comic, but I was definitely making it because I thought, you know, okay, manga, it's 2009, manga's a thing, right? Like, let's sort of, you know, try and, like, work towards something like that because i got to keep this going. Mm-hmm. Um, right, you know, right. You're a book author now. you got to you get know, your next book out. got to be serious about this. If I'm going to have my villa to go right in, you know, in the summer <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but it just didn't go anywhere. You know, my the, that those stuff I was pitching, nobody really liked it. And I had a little I had a little heart-to-heart with my wife. And I was like, you know, I need to just – I have had this Boy Scout story in mind for, like, a long time. I I'd done early drafts of it earlier in my career, like in zines. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be something that, you know, is going to have that appeal, like a big appeal, but I like, that's what I want to work on. So then when like I went, you know, I went with Secret Acres at that point. You mm-hmm. know, and that seemed right. Like, yeah. You know, so the, and the, but I also serialized it. I kind of wanted to, I put it online because I really just wanted to like try to get people to know about the project. 
Mm-hmm. Which I later learned about the importance yeah. of. <laughs> right. Well, it, you you know, I I mean, honestly, it, it, you know, 2008 seems as far long ago as 1998 to me. You know, it really does. Just everything accelerates so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think you were doing Troop 142 online. I, I, I wrote that it was Live Journal. I'm correct in that, right? That it was you were putting it up on Live Journal? On my website, I was also posting it on Activate. Um, oh, okay, right, right, I right. Also serialize it as mini comics mm-hmm. i just okay. was like going balls out like trying to get people to know what this comic was right um, and now what was but you had ad house as your publisher you know already as you were serializing it no i didn't have a publisher oh okay i was looking for a publisher um and i had interest from uh Publishers like sort of in the, uh, you know, in the indie comics, like, you know, the sort of top shelf fanographics and Secret Acres kind of publishers where we were all talking about it. Um, but I didn't sign with Secret Acres until I was probably, you know, about, again, sort of like two thirds of the way through, three quarters of the mm-hmm. way through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so what was, you know, actually, you know, you mentioned Activate, and uh, that that really was an incubator for a lot of really cool stuff around this period. I mean, you know, it was sort of the monkey brain of its time, yeah. and uh, just uh, everybody who wanted to, you know, who's doing what you were doing, wanted to get a new work out there. It seemed like a really good place to, to serialize things, and, you know, so many great people were going through there. Now, did you, you know, again, what was the reaction, you know, among readers to Troop 142 and its serialized state? That was um that's probably like the high point in terms of me sort of like feeling connected to an audience, mm-hmm. um, and also to like my cartooning peers. Um, I sort of I think I was sort of like at the right moment there, um, like where I was kind of like doing stuff I should be doing, um, you know, rather than sort of a little bit out of my depth. Mm, right. Um, and so that that was all a good experience all around. Like um, you know, through the online, through you know, that was I won the Ignats for the webcomic. Right. Right. Um, you know. So, and, and, you know, and the book got very good reviews. You know, mm-hmm. it came out from Secret Acres, who's, a, you know, a small publisher, but they kind of, you know, I, I, I always use indie comics when I write about it on the beat, but, or, or, you know, it's not really accurate. I mean, you know, if I say art comics, it sounds like they're just arty. If I say literary comics, it sounds like they're just literary. You know, I wish there was a, a term that, that really kind of encompassed more of that stuff. Cause I called them a boutique publisher. On yes. my post, which is a word I got from Chris Pitzer at Ad House, I think. Right, right. Okay, well, that's good because, you know, now we have micro-publishers, mini-micros, and boutique publishers. So I yeah. think that's kind of a that's kind of a, a small press. I mean, I think small press covers yeah. it, too. Um, but, I mean, there's a, a, I mean, what I'm getting at is that Secret Acres definitely had a reputation for good taste. Mm-hmm. You know, for publishing very good cartoonists and, you know, for being a very nurturing place. And... Um, I mean, again, I think Troop 142 uh, had, it was very relatable, you know, I mean, Boy Scouts, uh, you know, you had these kids and, you know, your depiction of them, you know, learning as being kids who are very real and that they think they know everything and then, but they don't know everything, but you know what, they know a lot more than we think they don't know, yeah. you know, uh, and so I think that was very, very well done and, um, you know, it's a strong, strong story and it got, got um you know it got a very good reaction yeah as you and, said and uh and what you said about like secret acres and their taste and sort of like the association it's something i really wanted because i felt like somewhat disconnected from indie comics through what happened with bloomsbury because mm-hmm. i felt like i was sort of alone you know <clears throat> right right and right. then i wanted to be with secret acres i wanted to sort of be part of their stable mm-hmm. you know so um so see when was troop 
142 was published in 2011. Ah, okay. Yes, I'm, in fact, I'm looking at your your post here. So you know, for uh, so then you know we enter the the wilderness years here. And <laughs> well, I didn't know they were <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, I I mean I think it's kind of funny because you know this is something in my career we all we all go through it and you see like a famous athlete go through it for instance and you recognize it so clearly in them but we never recognize it in ourselves mm-hmm. when it's like you know maybe this was the high point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that was where I was doing the best work. Maybe I was doing the best work in my career at that time. Um, Could be but, that the 2010 Small Press Expo was was it? Mm-hmm, that, was right. it that was my moment. <laughs> I right. Everyone liked me. Just yeah. like in a Thornton Wilder play, you know, when you're dying, you'll be looking back on that SPX. And Well, not that I think anything bad happens with me, but, like, you know, SPX evolves. And that mm-hmm. was sort of the last year where I felt like I knew everyone in the room. Right. And it wasn't, like, all the new faces. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's life, you know? Right. Like, right. sort of, you know, all the subsequent years has been a bit more like, I don't know who any of these people are. <laughs> right, right. They've changed you know, so fast. And the realization I had recently was they don't know who I am either. And that was something I didn't mm-hmm. realize. Yeah. I call that the green pants moment from Dr. Seuss. So, um, you know, when he realizes the green pants are just as scared of him as he is of them. (laughs) But, um, uh, you know, let's talk about Angie, though. Let's talk about this book. And I, I mean, I think, well, you know, when I wrote about this on the beat, I did say I I felt it was a little bit more enigmatic. And I, 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 you know, every time you tried to describe the book to me or Leon uh, at Secret Acres had tried to describe the book to me, I mean, it does have, like I said, it is does not have an easy log line, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. But, I mean, it is very novelistic. You know, the subject matter is very, is very, um, I guess, <sighs> abstruse. I don't know. I mean, you have to read this whole book in order to figure out what the hell it's about. <laughs> And I mean, and to be fair, I mean, you throw in a lot. I mean, it is about politics. It's about uh, personal politics. It's about how people who aren't as political will, uh, you know, jump in on politics if they're attracted to that person. Um, But you throw in a lot of other, um, like, philosophy. You throw in quotes and things that, 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 are, you know, very abstract thinking. You know, there's a lot of abstract thought in Angie Bongiolati. Um So, I mean, how did you put all this together? I mean, what made you sit down and say, I know what I'm going to do? Well, that's <laughs> a th- so, I mean, that's, that's a point I never get to. Um, you know, that's sort of like, I know what I'm going to do. It's sort of like I find my way into uh, a, a scenario or find my way into like sort of a, a what I sort of always think of as my the gentle narratives of my stories because they're all that way they mm-hmm. you know a little bit sort of thin on like a lot of plot it's again what Troop One Forty Two has going for it the best is probably the strongest plot um, this book you know I I had uh, around the time of of uh, the period shortly following nine um, eleven I had written uh, comics about some of these same things. Like I had gone to this protest march um, against the World Economic Forum and I was working at this dot uh, .com in New York City. Um, the, the Essentially are featured in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, so I had done like little zine things uh, with that. And I'd also done a zine book called Cabaret. I don't know if you ever saw that. Mm, um, I don't think so, no. It was like, um, it was this, like a relationship story about these characters, these college characters. And a lot of like the, uh, the stuff about Angie and the flashbacks sort of is drawn from that, uh, some of that work. 
and so what I'm doing is I'm sort of like taking all the stuff in mind and kind of reworking it to a new narrative um, and pulling it together. The issues with, um, you know, the politics and stuff, it was this, you know, my own um, internal arguments having to do with sort of free enterprise and like sort of whether or not it's an evil or uh, something you can say is evil or not evil. Um, mm-hmm. Because people, you know, can can go, you know, do well in a capitalist society, but people also can do, you know, get thrown to the side, um, you know. And I wanted to sort of think about that, and I wanted to talk about that in terms of how I felt about, um, you know, revolution. Um, the, the a lot of the stuff you sort of talk about being, you know, a little abstract and you know a little dry is probably some of these um, excerpts from this Arthur Kessler essay that I uh-huh. interjected right. throughout the book, um, like about uh, you know him talking about like you know the 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 radical um, in a way being um, a mirror of the sort of religious zealot um, of the left to the right, sort of this idea of there being a possibility of a utopian world. If we could just do the things that I'm telling you to do, we could get there. You know, mm-hmm. and we feel that it happened in the past and we can get there again. Well, it really does sound like a... <laughs> but, uh, you know, but to be fair, uh, you know, these are major themes. You know, these are literary themes. The, you know, books are written about this all the time. You know, I mean, this is, this is really, you know, this is very literary substance. And, uh, you know, I'm, I think you took a very serious approach to these themes. I mean, it wasn't like you were just... Uh, tossing this off, I mean, it's obvious that a lot of th- thought went into that. I mean, you know, if I were to sit down with 10 of the cartoonists in a row at SPX or TCAF or wherever and ask what their book is about, you know, well, only one in 10 would, would really be about this kind of theme, mm-hmm. you know, that's very personal and yet ties into larger themes of, of you know, how we survive as a society. I mean, a lot of cartoon, a lot of indie cartoonists, you know, I, you know, I think the other other thread of cartoon of comics is, of course, the um, the Fort Thunder kind of you know theme, which is man against monster or monster against monster, uh-huh. and and a lot of time, you know, like Anders Nilsson's work actually kind of engages with this a lot. I think, even though he's not Fort Thunder esque at all, but I mean, he does use like you know, like animals and. And wildernesses, and you know, vast, endless silent pages to kind of give, the, kind of deal with these themes. You know, Kevin Hazenga is another one. He deals with a lot of this kind of stuff, and a lot of times it's not as overt. I mean, I think that you were very clearly, you know, with the Kessler quotes saying that, you know, this is this is this the stuff that this is about. These are the questions I'm raising, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe. If, some people might have thought it was too on the nose, you know? I mean, I think even in the comments on the beat, I think a lot of people just didn't know this book was out. That may be true. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that's what? Actually, so that, that's a little bit related to, like, all the stuff we are talking about before, like, how I approached True Form 42, to sort of, like, me being like, well, now I had such a good time at 2010 SBX, now I can just take the time to recuse myself from, from the mm-hmm. world and go work on my book and, and show up in a couple of years, and what a big splash it will be. Right. You know, and, that's, and that's, again, it's like, it's just like, I think that as a writer, my experience has been, you you may get illusions to who you are, um, mm-hmm. or how you're succeeding. Um, and a lot of what I wanted to write about this week was about like the reality of like, what my career is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you did a great job. But you know, let me, uh, let me go back. And I, I'm going to say, Mike, you know, listening to you t- tell your story, uh, as you're, you know, telling your story to me here, and in you know the fashion of the ancient mariner or whoever you know I've, I've run helpful. into you in the <laughs> go oh go ahead I'm sorry no go ahead nothing uh, nope. I was gonna say so you know as you've told me your tale 
your Canterbury tale. Uh, I do see the one question. So, so after hearing this, my question to you would be, why? Why, after the success you had with Troop 142, in being part of this community, why did you not, you know, why did you go off the grid for a couple years? Uh, so I think there's two parts to that. Um, did you have another part of that question? Or no, 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 no. That's that's really it. So one of it, I think, is uh, is a little bit of delusion, as I already said, like this idea that like maybe I'm on a stage where this is okay now, mm-hmm, that, like right. I can that I have enough of a you know a name. You know, I don't, I don't. I've never thought that I was particularly you know big name, but I thought maybe enough people will know of me and and my work from Troop One Forty Two that like I can take that risk. I just you know so a naivety. The other one is being about the uh, the topic of the book because it wasn't something I felt comfortable uh, serializing. It was much harder mm-hmm. to write about. I mean, I'm dealing with um, sex and I'm dealing with politics, and I think both of those things are. You know, I can be an expert on the Boy Scouts to the internet because you know I was a Boy Scout, you know, and I'm the mm-hmm. one who knows exactly what you know I'm putting out right. there. But uh, when I'm talking about politics, that's a little harder for me to just sort of like put myself out there in a way I feel more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm writing, especially where I write, which is sort of very exploratory kind of stuff, um, where like I'll go back and rewrite a lot of things um, after I've made pages, I'll scrap them and start over. I just didn't feel like I could do it publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this book couldn't be. I couldn't just have like comments every every week about like right, <laughs> right, right. So, so it had to do with the with the topic and also sort of like crazy ideas I had about you know this industry right now did you think that though while you were i mean it took you a couple of years to, to finish the book mm-hmm. so i mean while you were doing it though i mean you know i see you i mean you know you're semi-local i know you live off in jersey now but you know i see you at certain events and I say hey mike and you we know you, the same building for a little while yeah oh that's right my goodness i used to see you in the the, the going to the secret mason room there yes. um so yeah, so obviously uh, I knew you were around, um, you know. But but I mean, I yeah, like you say, you know, this is the the indie cartooning uh, community is like a snake sloughing its skin. It just changes constantly. You know, there's always new people coming, people dropping out, people coming and going. I mean, did you feel at this time that you were still connected to the community? Did you feel that you were doing enough? Um, I guess I probably didn't know. I mean, I was still doing my weekly podcast. Um, but that really wasn't about like putting me out there as a writer. That was just, right. like, um, you know, that's me as a personality that you want to sort of hang around with. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not keeping you caught up on what I'm doing as a writer. Right. Um, some of it is like stuff I've learned in the last nine months, you know, like I didn't know was happening that I was, that it was important to remain connected. And some of it still, even as you describe that, the feeling of having to permanently be plugged in and like always like you know always be selling <laughs> mm-hmm. right. you know that sounds horrific like i'm a i'm a little older now you know like and my life is a little is a little bit more like boring mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know kids and stuff like that and jobs in suburban new jersey and like it feels hard to feel like i gotta maintain like you know this sort of in um right you know right well do it like it's like imagining an old man trying to skateboard past the kids a hot topic. Like, right. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I just had, 
you know, my own 10th anniversary of blogging and I wrote a little 10 year anniversary post. And, you know, I doubt that there's anyone who doesn't feel the same way. You know, at some point we all want to rest on our laurels, you know, <laughs> at some point we all want to coast. We all want to say, God damn it. I did this. Yes. You know, I've been doing it for 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, 40, 50 years, whatever, you know, you say, I've been doing this and I'm set. I don't want to go out and sell myself again. <clears throat> like, can I just be, can you just be excited when I give you something? <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, um, I think, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to get to that Alan Moore stage though, where, you yeah. know, even a public appearance is, is, um, you know, headline news. Uh, so I, you know, I certainly understand, um, where you were coming from on that, but, but at the same time, I think it's, you know, I have come to realize that it's the incredibly competitive space, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I've always, I mean, you know, comics websites, I mean, jeezy peasy, there's the a new one launches every day, but, but I, you know, I have to be, you know, meow. I noticed that the ones that launch don't do as well as the ones that launched <laughs> even four or five years ago. And, um, you know, I'm not giving up my little spot, you know, yeah. I mean, I can give it up for a day or two, like I have since I got back from San Diego, but, but I just can't, well, you know what, let me, let me, but, but what have you learned? Okay. Now you wrote this, this essay on Tumblr, very modern of you. Um, and it got, you know, retumbled and, you know, I picked it up right away. Tom Spurgeon picked it up right away and, um, you know, grew, drew a couple sharp responses, uh, notably Abe Kozla, and uh, and then you wrote what just yesterday you wrote a follow up that was called "On My Own Worst Enemy," yeah. where you where you pointed out that you do have a day job and you don't expect to make a living from your graphic novels, which I think is a very important point, and uh, that you kind of point the finger back at yourself a little bit, saying, you know, I wasn't writing about failure of the material so much as my own failure to engage with what we've just been talking about. I guess. Yeah. Like I've I'm not I've not done the job, and right? I, and but the other thing I was trying to uh, articulate in that follow up post because it is a fine line of like I want to write what I want, I don't care about money, but I also don't want to be not read because all the stuff we we're talking about like, you know I'm obviously spending time trying to write these books with mm -hmm. the idea that someone's reading them, right? Like I'm trying to make the reading experience like something that I've thought about, um. So it's not like I'm just like an outsider artist, um. You know just doesn't care like you know how how it gets consumed like i want people to read it but i also like i'm okay with like you know i would be all right with like troop 142 like roughly around there is like where, where i want to be uh -huh. you know i'd like to do better but you know <laughs> right right so this whole meltdown in a way uh i don't think it's so much of a meltdown but this sort of like coming to terms with reality is sort of like it feels like this one's going to be harder and i didn't like i had not sort of you know expected that and you know, so that's what this was about. I just, but the other thing was I had also realized recently how happy I am making short Tumblr comics. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something I'd sort of never let myself do before because uh, I had ideas in my head, like, you know, about like what I should be doing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas like the the short form essay, you know, something I actually sort of like. I think you saw one that you liked too, the Sophia, the first one that I put Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. No, I bet the that one was good, you know, the gun control one. Um, uh, yeah, no, I've been noting them. You know, you did Cartoonist Diary on Comics Journal. A lot of people liked them. Um, you know, I mean, uh, well, you know, at the beginning of this, we said you learned a lot. 
you learned a lot from the response to this. Let's talk about the response you've gotten. You know, what what from your fellow cartoonists or from readers or you know, let's talk about that. Well, so this is what I said at the beginning. Well, I have a theory. <laughs> my theory is that there's actually like two things happening here. There's this there's my career and what I want out of cartooning, and that's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And then I think everyone who's responding to it is interested in like the realities of publishing books. Right. Right. And that's what I thought the Abbe Kosla post was, was in right. response to. And that's why I didn't really feel like I needed to respond to it that much, because it's kind of nothing to do with what I want, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm interested in, or what I say that I'm even going to be doing, which is sort of short comics online. Um, and also a lot of what he was saying, like, wasn't really directed at me. Like, it's, you know, like, I don't control price point and stuff like that. Um, but I think that's the thing that people are excited about, and it's not really me, and they don't really care how I get to be happy in comics. I think that it's like, maybe there's a bit of shock because if I am a little bit of a name, maybe people didn't realize my books were not selling that well, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the numbers are a bit shocking. I knew what they were. (laughs) Right. But I don't know if maybe that's part of it too. Like maybe that people feel alarmed. Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, do you feel that it's something to do with like people? Uh, Well, I agree with that. I mean, I agree with both of them. I mean, I think people, um, I think it's, I mean, you know, I wrote a post this morning where I kind of, um, you know, summed up what I felt about your the back and forth so far. And, you know, it really is, you are not allowed to publicly say that anything disparaging about team comics, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I've learned this. And, um, you know, if you point out that the emperor has no clothes or maybe this critical darling is not so great or this book isn't you know well you're has, talking about me no i'm saying that no like, i'm in general in general i'm saying like you know to there and you know people hate the term team comics also but there definitely is a social structure and it's very supportive i mean that's the thing it's wildly supportive and like a place like spx or tcaf or uh you know other indie shows like that i mean they really are based on this this community of support and so that is considered like of course when everybody's having you know hanging out in the room party later on they all pick on the people who they don't like mm-hmm. but uh in oh, public yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes of course <coughs> those rides up and down to sbx no i know exactly but um well you, uh, but you might also be getting at the fact that like people said that abe kosla was being mean to me right, right. i don't yeah i i not like a tone that I like particularly wanted to to uh, respond to myself because why should I? I mean, like, I don't need anything from this person and I don't need to be spoken to in a way I don't like. But I don't disagree that he can say what he wants to say and a lot of people have found it useful. I personally feel that it they weren't, the original post which I read, weren't great points. Mm-hmm. Um, writing to me about price points, stuff like that, okay, leave that alone. That stuff, it's out of my hands. Writing to me about, like, ensemble comics have you did you consider you know like who's been successful with that it's like that's nothing to do with how i make comics it's nothing to do with like my approach to this like ask me what my business plan is like (laughs) you you know i don't i don't have to answer to someone who hasn't read my work Mm -hmm. i saw the critic sean t collins you know him yes he was uh throwing out some pretty like harsh criticisms of my book he was saying like you know he didn't like the cover design he thought the name was a bad name like, it's a bad title, is what he said. He thought it was bad publication, like, whatever they call in the back, like, the stuff that describes the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he said that was bad. And that's all legitimate stuff. I'm not mad at Sean Collins about that. You know? Right. 
Like, well, it it seems to be a book that uh, um, I think it was, I think those are legitimate, actually. And I mean, I you, you know, I said that I thought the title was was odd because um, it was hard to spell and every tower pronounced. But you know what? I'll tell you. I'll give you. All right, here's Heidi's piece of advice. Okay, like the book is called Angie Bongiolotti, so we assume it's going to be about a woman named Angie Bongiolotti. Yeah. You know, just like David Copperfield is about David Copperfield, and you know, Inside uh, Lewin Davis is about Lewin Davis. And so, uh, the, but the descriptions of the book don't really talk about her. You know, when you read the book, it talks about an ensemble. Oh, like a group of 20-somethings? Yes, it Europe. talks about a group of 20-somethings. So it becomes like, why is it called Angie Bongiolotti? So that was, I, I, actually, that was my very first initial reaction to it was... Um, the answer is because I'm crazy. Well, there we go. All right. you know, my, no, because I felt like I couldn't call it anything else. Like that is what I like to be, mm-hmm. and I did not. I did get feedback from uh, my French publisher, and I think Secret Acres as well, saying like, "You sure?" You know, and I'm like, "This is what it needs to be called," because <laughs> that is who she is, and to be, she feels like you know a whole person. Right, um, right, right. Well, she's a great character, and you know, but I, I think that that there's, I think like the descriptions of the book didn't make it clear that you know that it is about her really. Yeah. It's about the people reacting to her, both, you know, as a, with their attraction to her and with the, you know, they're attracted and yet they're repelled. And, you know, that's very, very common. I mean, that's that's actually a great theme. So, you know, we're just doing a do over here. You know, let's have this workshop, how to remarket Angie Bongiolotti. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it. So well, that's uh, sort of the last thing about like sort of like how people are responding online is that I noticed that like people who were getting in touch with me and a lot of people did who like felt like, you know, the, the essay said something to them that you know, they also deal with or, yeah. you know, their own connections. There are other cartoonists who have written books. You know, no publishers are writing to me saying, like, you know, you're off the mark on this. Because all this stuff about, like, what I could or couldn't do, you know, this happens with every book. Some people get it right. Some people think they have it right. And it turns out they don't have it right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if we right. knew how to do it, you know, then people wouldn't have books that, you know, don't do not do well. Right, know? right, right. Um. Do you think now, okay, well, now that we've really clarified what you were talking about, which is, you know, finding an audience for your work, which is personal, um, you know, touching someone else with your ideas, which is the greatest feeling there is, um, (laughs) and, uh, you know, that that was what your kind of goal for this is, and not selling 10,000 copies or... Um, you know, being on the cover of, <laughs> I don't even know what you'd be on the cover of now. There's no magazines, know. you on know, the cover uh, of the beat <laughs> on the cover of the beat. Yes. Uh, and the comics reporter. But, um, I mean, do you feel that maybe you made a mistake with, with doing this book that was, you know, unable to be serialized and maybe was too abstract to reach an audience? I mean, do you feel that was a mistake or you stand by it? No, I'm a stand by it. I mean, I'm, I, I feel like, you know, I have, you know, there's been some reviews of the book. Uh, it got a very nice one on the comics journal, and it's gotten the other ones like it's gotten have been somewhat tepid. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna. I don't know if the book is gonna mean. Uh, you know, you seem to you seem to like it, um, and, but um, you know, I don't know what it would mean to other people. But to me, it means a lot. Um, this question I'm asking myself this week is about like, you know, what, what do I want to keep going? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like you know, it's not about like regret on like what I've done or feeling like I didn't do set out what I wanted to do. Like I've I'm a pretty driven person. I have a day job. I have a family. I do this in my spare time when I get these books out. Um, mm-hmm. but it's like, do I have the energy to 
do that again, like fourth time round, or do I need to stop and like look at the reality of, you know, I don't want like a, a shrinking pool of readers. I want to like reach more people. Right. Like with right. ideas. It's very circular. It keeps coming round and round. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. You know, this question of readers versus money versus time and, you know, the, what, what drives me to work, you know? Um, so, yeah, the answer is no. I would Maybe I would do some different things with the uh, the publication copy and maybe I would give it a better name and maybe I would figure out a better way to describe it. It's not like I'm flawless, but um, the book itself, I, I, I wouldn't. Right. Any, well, that's good. That's good. You got to stand by your kids, you know. Yeah. Some of you, you know, Wednesday's child, man. You know. <laughs> um, what? Uh, but now, just to, to, you know, you are doing shorter comics now. Should uh, can you edit out that part where I said there were any tepid reviews? Can we just say there were only great reviews? No, no, no. We need to be. <laughs> I, listen, I, 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 I listen. I liked the book, but I think it was it was flawed. I do think it was flawed, and I think one of the reasons is what I just said. You know, it's like the book is titled this. And it's about a group of people, and I, I'm just not sure that theme. I don't think that theme maybe was as clear in your head uh, as you were creating the books, to be honest. So, so you do agree that we should all go buy it? Uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, it discusses very important themes that are um, completely irrelevant to, and it, it's very ambitious. It's a very ambitious graphic novel, and you know, I think that we often. I mean, it's funny because there's these two. Um, streams of comics criticism. One of them is uh, that we all the critics, all they ever do is talk about the writing and they never talk about the art. We need to talk about the art. Okay, but now the other side is like, um, you know, oh my God, this looks great. Buy it, you know? <laughs> and so, I mean, and there's no question but that great art is selling more and more comics and there's so much great art out there. I mean, the art is just, you know, off the hook. Whereas, you know, it's flawed. It may be flawed, but I think with uh, Angie Bongiolotti, you were addressing, like I said, it's literary and it's and its ambitions, if nothing else. And And, you know, there's not too many books that are as overtly ambitious in this way that I can think of that have come out in, um, you know, the last year. I mean, there's always only a handful of books like this and uh, that are not memoir. I mean, it's obviously based on real things that happen, but it's not an overt memoir. And there's always only a handful of books. It's the hardest, it's the hardest thing to pull off in comics, um, you know, narrative literary fiction. And very few people do it. So, you know, we should all say that Mike Dawson is, a, a, you know, a real pioneer here. <laughs> so, That's good. There we go. Okay. There we go. There's your <laughs> log line. So tell us about what you're doing now. You're doing shorter comics. You're finding satisfaction with that because you do get an immediate hit of reaction to them. So, Well, it's just that I like the idea of uh, a idea, an idea that I can address in 10 pages or less. Because that's what Tumblr allows you to post ten ten pictures, uh-huh. um, and I like to just I'm, I'm doing this thing where I'm writing these essays where I'm trying to just throw out an idea and a way I think about an idea and sort of then move on to another one. A lot of them have to do with my kids, uh-huh. uh, not all of them. Some of them, you know, like the gun control one. It's just sort of like this is like a, sh- a short little essay on my feelings on uh, you know on this issue. Um, and what I like about it is like you know I'm reaching people. Some good things are happening, like Slate has published a couple of these things, you know, I'm going to do more stuff like that. And, like, I just, it's just about, like, you know, like, it's like when I, as an artist, as the drawing thing, it took me a long time to get over to allow myself to not crosshatch. Like, because I feel like cartoonists set these rules for themselves that it's not real cartooning if you're not blank. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to crosshatch. And then right now I'm going through this thing where, like, it is real cartooning if I do it for the web and in short form. 
It doesn't have to be a book, you know, because I don't want to keep throwing books at an indi- at a, you know at a, at a marketplace where it's just getting drowned, you know, you know. Oops, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's what I'm right, right, that's what right. I'm moving towards, like sort of being all right with other things. Right. So basically, the story has a happy ending for now. For me. Yes. I'm not sure well, how it does for the book publishing industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it all goes on. I mean, it is. It's a golden era. And I mean, Tumblr, you know, I see, like, we're running out of time here, actually. And, you know, Tumblr is a whole other thing because, you know, usually it's for, uh, you know, it's a very female-driven and, um, you know, shorter comics. I mean, it's sort of a little unusual. I mean, it's not an unusual. But, I mean, you know, I think – People would not think of you as being a Tumblr cartoonist right off the bat, you know? Yeah, no, it's, I, I do feel like, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm hanging out with the kids. Yeah, see, <laughs> that's it. That, you know what, Mike? That was the answer all along. Just hang out with the kids. The kids know what's up. Yeah, so. Um, well, cool. Was there anything else that, that you wanted to, uh, you know, throw out there about what, what this whirlwind week has uh, been for you? Um, no, I mean, I, could, it, I didn't like being at the center of a, of a big uproar. I thought it would be more fun. I felt mm-hmm. <laughs> turns out you, you you have trouble sleeping and you feel nauseous and get a bad taste in your throat all the time. And yeah. That was the other reason I didn't read the follow up post. I'm like, why do I gotta get myself worked up and you know be arguing thoughts in my head? You know that I'm never gonna say to somebody. You know. That's what uh, modern life is, my friend. That's what I do all night. I lie in bed and I think about things that I'm gonna you know. Right on the internet tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to set them straight on the internet. <laughs> yes, that's it. Somebody's wrong on the internet. I can't sleep. Uh, yeah. But anyway, well, listen, Mike, you know, I, I obviously I am a follower of your work. And, uh, you know, I, I I haven't seen all your short comics. so I'm going to go check those out now. But uh, I urge all uh, listeners to go check them out also. And uh, your Tumblr, is it Daw- Mike Dawson Tumblr? Or what Mike is the Dawson address? with three W's. Okay. Mike, Mike Dawson.tumblr.com. Mike, D-A-W-W-W-S-O-N.tumblr. Yeah, like yes, there you go. All right. Check it out. Um, anyway, thank you very much, Mike. And, thank um, you so much, Heidi. I appreciate it.